Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrar? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Fuelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Hi guys, thank you for joining us. Whether you're checking us out for the first time or coming back again, either way, we are glad you are here. And we have another great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview, actor, author, comedian, you know him as Bert from The Big Bang Theory. His new project is called Top Secret Videos on True TV. It's my pal, Brian Posehn. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week. 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our super fan shout-out is for Colin. Say hi to Colin, everybody. Hey, Colin. Colin, baby. How you doing? What's up, Colin? Colin, those are the voices of the people I love. My beautiful wife. Hello there. My pal and pod producer, Marcus Stern. Hey, man. How you doing? And my lifelong friend, Phil Tag. How are you, pal? I'm great. How you doing, buddy? You're right. Is everybody in? The ceremony's about to begin. What are you talking about? I'm sorry. I'm reading a book on Jim Morrison. uh, And that's what he would say before the concerts. Yeah, I'm reading the Steve Davis book. I'm getting ready for my depression. My depression is going to set in after football season. I I have a different word for it. You do? Yes. It's not all good, so it's not depression. What is it? It's now I have to occupy Adam. True. I, <laughs> I do get consumed because I listen to podcasts uh, about football and leading up to the game. Then we watch the game. Then I listen to grown men bitch about a game that I just saw. I watch highlights of a game I watched. You watch highlights of highlights. Yeah. Yeah. So football keeps me uh, keeps me happy. And and when football's over, I go back to back to the book. So uh, mm-hmm. I started a little bit early with a Jim Morrison book. Okay. Yeah, because this is uh, and we are recording this on Friday, right before uh, the playoffs this weekend. And last weekend was Wild Card Weekend, and uh, Phil and I had a bet on the Pittsburgh Cleveland game, mm-hmm. and uh, I lost. Oh, yeah, no. yes, you did. Yes, yes I did. you did. Adam. I did. I took Pittsburgh. I gave Phil six. 
Was that yeah, too she, generous? No, that wasn't generous. That's what Vegas says. If you want to give them sex, all right? <laughs> Don't give them no more. Yeah. Give yeah. them the sex. Can we go back for a second, though? You said Pittsburgh was going to kill Cleveland. I did. That's what you said. <laughs> he was wrong. I did. It, yeah, he was wrong. In Adam's defense, everyone in the world thought that Pittsburgh was going to destroy Cleveland. I don't think they'd won an away playoff game since, like, the 90s, mm-hmm. something like that. Yes. Historically, Cleveland makes the Jets look like William the Conqueror. <laughs> right. Well, right. I'm, That's a safe yep. bet. Yeah. I, okay. I don't know much about football, but that must really suck then, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so while the game's going on, opening snap, Marquise Pouncey snaps it over Ben Roethlisberger's head. First play, I'm down seven points. Oh, okay. It started and off it bad. Get, it's getting worse. It's getting worse the whole day. And Phil cannot control himself. The text, ju- it's a barrage. My phone sounds like a machine gun. <laughs> just coming in. Well, because he was winning. Yeah, he was winning winning and gloating. And had to let you know. Yeah. Yeah. Phil, I'm cut. Stay still. Let me get the salt. He just keeps (laughs) rubbing it in. (laughs) But Phil, again, doesn't use his words. He's sending random clips that I don't understand. (laughs) One is Tony Danza dancing. (laughs) Really? Phil's like, what am I thinking? Oh, this captures it. Let me send this to Adam. I'm in the studio. I don't get it. And, uh, and he's very upset that I didn't get it, and he starts yelling at me. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm hitting record because no one will believe this. <laughs> so so th- th- this is the call. I didn't get any of that that you sent me. Sorry. Oh, my God. Have you used that Tony Danger picture to communicate with anybody else? No. First time I ever did it, and I'm never doing it again. <laughs> no, because I don't know what you would do with Yes, honey. So you can imagine my confusion when I didn't... First, I didn't know what Tony Dan's dancing was, and then Mimi threw me. Yeah, yeah like, what's a Mimi? Uh, it's a Mimi. It's the way I say it. I like to say it differently. I like to be different. It's a Mimi. I, I, I like to say it different. Listen, oh, listen. Nice cover. I, nice listen, cover, I'm going I'm, I'm to send you in a mall. A what? <laughs> he didn't know. No, he didn't. Well, that's <laughs> why I didn't get it. He sent me. He sent me a Mimi of Tony Daza just dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I didn't understand. I didn't understand what the Mimi of Tony Daza dancing meant. <laughs> dance because of the because of the bet because of the bet. You have to dance. What Wait a bet? Minute. What do you guys yeah. do? What, what what was the bet? Is the bet not money? No, the bet. I I said we'll bet a hundred dollars, and Phil went no. <laughs> Because I never win. I never win when I bet money. Never, never, never. It's never going to never happen. Actually, actually, Phil said, I'm not betting $100. Um, Are you insane? Yes. So the bet was the loser has to sing a song on the podcast. Oh, my goodness. See, this is the best part, though, Mark. He calls me up like it was 28 zip in the first quarter. He calls me up and he goes, I got to do Neil Diamond, don't I? (laughs) I saw it coming. Let me get this over with because I'm getting nauseous. (laughs) What which which Neil Diamond song will you be gracing us with? Philip. I believe it's I am. I said yes. 
because that, you're always making fun of the chair. And you, by the way, you better do it correctly. No fooling around. You got to. <laughs> and this is a Mark Alex. This is a rare occurrence. We're, we're, this is a solar eclipse we're seeing, and I love it. <laughs> this is this is capturing Bigfoot. I love it. <laughs> All right, hold on, ladies and gentlemen from Liverpool, England. Yeah. <laughs> On the steps of Abbey Road Studios. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait a minute. Let, let me get my bike reflector shirt. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> right. That's it. Shit on Neil Diamond. That's good. Just sing the song. Ellie's <laughs> fine in the sunshine most of the time. <laughs> and the feelings laid back. Palm trees grow, rents are low, but you know I'm thinking about making my way back. Uncanny. Well, I'm New York City, born and raised, but nowadays I'm lost between two shores. <laughs> LA's fine, but it ain't home. New York's home, but it ain't mine no more. <laughs> <laughs> to no one there <laughs> And no one hurt at all Not even the chair Nailed it I'll my cry <laughs> I'll said I <laughs> To no one there and no one heard it at all. <laughs> Make it up shit now. <laughs> Leave Tony Danza alone. <laughs> okay, that's it. I can't sing wow. the next verse. All right. You know what? Yeah, that was worth it. I can't. You get an A minus. That's an A minus. Well, Phil, the bet is paid. We're even. <laughs> Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was painful for me to do. I'm sure it was painful for everybody to hear. <laughs> and I want to apologize to Brian Posehn that this was the beginning of his episode. I really enjoyed talking about it. <laughs> so why don't you give a listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. What is a meme? It's kind of like internet joke type things, but a meme is so much more than that. Sometimes they say things that words could not do justice. Some bring us up when we're feeling down. Some make us lose faith in humanity. It was just a meme. It was a meme. You're listening to the Adam Ferrara podcast. This is 30 minutes you'll never get back. 30 minutes feels a hell of a lot longer to me. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project 
in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! I am very excited for my guest this week. He's a comedian, author, actor. You know him from the show The Big Bang Theory, his podcast Nerd Poker, and his book Forever Nerdy, and I'm eager to get to know him a little bit better. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Brian Posehn. How are you, pal? I'm good, man. Good to see you. You too. Nice to see you again. I think the last time we ran into each other was uh, in a lobby in Montreal during a comedy festival. That makes that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I run I run into a lot of people in places like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Thank you so much for for uh, taking the time to do this for me. And uh, we share um, an affinity for uh, Greg Proops. Oh, cool. Yeah, I I had Greg on the show. He was my first entree into. San Francisco, one of the first time I ever played San Francisco. And you're from Sacramento, but you started comedy in the Bay Area. Yeah, that's he's the perfect guy to take you through the city. And yeah, yeah and if you were doing uh, clubs in the East Bay and places like that, that was my experience. I was doing sets in San Francisco and then moved there. And he was one of the first guys that, you know, uh, let me open for him on a regular basis and, and uh, learned so much. Uh, you know, I had never even been in a comedy club before I started working them. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, I'd seen it on TV and then you, but working with these guys who were so much better than you, uh, I learned a lot. And he was one, he was one of the big ones. Yeah. It's like, I had the same uh, introduction to it cause you saw it on TV and I started in Long Island. Uh, but I always gravitated towards the, um, towards the San Francisco styles, a certain style. There was that, you know, Robin Williams, that uh, Greg Proops, Steve Pearl. You know, Jake Johansson, Jake Johansson, uh, Jeff Bolt were guys that, yeah, there was, it, it was smart. Yeah. Uh, and I was like watching LA stuff and, and I came down to LA actually first before I went and I broke my back and, uh, and then went back and had to live with my mom. And that's how I wound up in San Francisco. All right. Let, but, let's, let's back up to, and I broke my back. Yeah. Jumped off a lifeguard tower doing like a jackass stunt pre-jackass mm-hmm. with a bunch of a uh, bunch of friends we'd been wasted for 14 hours uh we started drinking at noon it was two or three in the morning i jumped off this thing not trying to hurt myself just being a jackass and then uh, i had to move back up north and so wait a minute wait, wait. you're on a 14 hour drunk and you and your friends think hey Baywatch." <laughs> yeah pretty much and my friends like rolled with it and did fine. I landed on my ass and did a L, you know, compressed fracture of my L3 vertebrae mm. and uh, I was paralyzed uh, for a week because I uh, decided to get into a bathtub because I was like, what would my mom do if my mom was here? Right. Uh, she put me in the hot bath with some Epsom salts. So I climbed into a Epsom salts full bath with a billabong uh, sweatpants on. And, uh, so, all right. Well, at least you dressed. Yeah, like an idiot. <laughs> and uh, next thing I knew, I couldn't move my legs, and I'm freaking out. My friends are drunk, and I'm like, "You guys, I can't." You know, it was like yeah. the, the the worst, like Bill and Ted uh, sketch. You know, just brother. What happened after that? Their, when... With their broken friend. 
Well, when did you? So you're in the bathtub, you're in sweats, you're still loaded, and you can't move. And and you call your friends who are loaded, and what did what did they do? Like, uh, we, maybe uh, he's a merman who grew a tail. No, we called nine eleven or nine one one, and then I had to uh, I had to pay for that for months for that that expensive ambulance ride, you know. And I had no insurance. I just started doing stand up. I was two oh. years in, I think. And what happened? So you go to the doctors, and they said you're you're you have a seven day paralysis. Uh, well, no, they didn't know how long it was going to last. It only lasted seven, and then I but I stayed in the hospital in in uh, L.A. and then Long Beach. Uh, to, uh, for uh, thirty uh, uh, three months, and then I recovered up at my mom's. Fuck, Brian, what are you thinking when you're sitting there going, "This could be it. I will never walk again for that week." It was crazy, and I wasn't. I mean, I, luckily, I was doped up, which was because I was in so much pain. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But when I when I got there, and then you know. Uh, it's a crazy thing. I, I I don't. I try not to think about that. All right, good. We'll go, we'll go somewhere else. I was just but, sitting. But there. I went. Uh, I went completely. I do. Uh, I do look back and go. Well, that that was like when I got serious about stand up because mm-hmm. I'd been kind of fucking around. Right. And, you know, so the initial week was terrible, and then once I got, you know, back and everything's okay, and I call my friend and I'm like, hey, I got I got feeling in my penis again, and he's like, <laughs> cool, thanks for calling me. <laughs> Little Brian's like, up. He's back. Yeah, you know, for a while I didn't. It was scary, and that that was the last thing to come. Like I got, I got feeling in my legs before I got feeling in my dong, and I was like, ah, you know. And then, so then it was just like, when am I getting out of here, and when am I getting back on stage? Because that's I still I missed it, and I knew it was something I could do. Mm-hmm. And it kind of drove, you know, I, I made my home. It sounds ridiculous but like i made a calendar like marking the days off of when i was getting out of the old folks home and mm. you know down in the no it's not ridiculous it, it puts structure into thing and that's when it woke you up to get serious about comedy because i uh i remember you when i first came out because i had the same kind of i had the same kind of not experience of, of of being alone but the same kind of experience of getting serious about it and coming out here and it's when i moved from long island to uh california um, but when I got out here, I was already I already did a little bit of TV because you remember when we were kids, you could do MTV, you could do evening yeah. at the improv, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and we were on TV, Brian, way before we should have been. Oh, for sure. But it was available to me. So when I came out here, I wanted to get stage time and, it, and, and I would get my two or two spots a week, maybe at the improv, but I kept looking for stage time. And you right. guys, no, it's not like New York where you could do four sets a night. And like even San Francisco was better than L.A. I yeah. think for you know for getting on stage. Yeah, but when I got here, I remember asking my agent, "I'm like, because you guys from San Francisco, you had your own little scene going." When I got, you had like that that back of that the back of that dance club when I first came here. I forget. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what was that place called? Diamond Club. Yeah, that was it. It was like a, it was like this horrible dance club, and then you had to go into the back room. You had to walk through the dance club. Sometimes yeah. I hated it because I'd be bringing like outfits that I was wearing for sketches that I was doing. <laughs> so I'm I'm walking through these hot people trying to get laid and doing cocaine, <laughs> and they're like, "Who's the nerd?" I'm like the AV club, like pushing things. Like, sorry, I've got a suitcase full of hats. <laughs> Dumb shit, you know. Like, it's for a bit. Yeah, you wouldn't get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not for you. 
Well, that's the thing. It's not for you. And I realized when I came out here, I didn't realize I was already labeled. But because I had a couple of TV credits when I came to L.A., I said, I heard about this place where all you San Francisco guys were. And I said, I'd like to work that. And my agent at the time says, well, you can't because they're alternative and you're a brick wall comic. And I went, oh, oh I didn't know I was something. Oh, that's crazy. So here's the thing. So um, in that world, I was seen as that too. Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, some of the, the gatekeepers like Janine and, and David Cross, I, I got through, but there were certain other people that ran, ran rooms that were like, no, post aid's not coming up here. He's, he's been on evening at the improv. Yeah. You know, and I was like, so's Janine, <laughs> but you know, but you, but you, I, I, we've had a similar experience, um, because of the stand-up, and one of the things I was reading on you is you said you had this obsession as a kid because you were bullied and you spent a lot of time alone, so you would disappear into these worlds, which for you was stand-up and metal and comic books and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Well, you mean that so many of my influences showed up in my stand-up? Showed up in your stand-up, and you're also, you did, like... Like, that's who I am. Yeah, that's who you are, but you found yourself through these uh, these worlds you, you, you immersed yourself in. Yeah, I don't think everybody, uh, I feel like I can be, you know, sometimes I look at it, uh, you know, badly. Like I talked about it in therapy. I'm like, I'm stuck in here. And, you know, my therapist was like, yeah, but isn't that like, don't you make money off that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I kind of do. But yeah, because I'm so stuck with the things that I liked at like 10 to 15. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's around then, like nine. I like things. I got. I saw Jaws. That's like my first thing that I was really obsessed with. Where mm. it was like, I not only like this movie. I have to learn everything about great white sharks. I have to learn who's died, where they've died. You know, I have to read the uh, Jaws log that Carl Gottlieb wrote. Mm-hmm. You know, I was doing stuff that not. I think not every nine-year-old kid that saw Jaws. Plus. I shouldn't have fucking seen Jaws at nine years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my mom was kind of like, yeah, you know, she told me like really early, like it's all stuff, man. It's all real. You know, it's not, it's make believe it's not real life. And she's like, it's makeup and it's this and that. And I was like, Oh, cool. So I can watch anything. And I did. But then I was also like, God damn it. Like, I shouldn't have seen that. Yeah. I can't go swimming for a year. Yeah. And I saw night of the living dead at nine and 10 years old. Like, way too early but they'd formed my obsessions those mm-hmm. became the things that i have a jaws poster behind me in the in the nerd cave i'm in you know like those are the things that i still that stuck with me and i'm stuck is a good word for it right but, do you still do you but still, it informed me you yeah know? do you still find uh comfort and pleasure in these things oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. I go back, like, I'll go on YouTube and I'll put on shit that I watched at that age, that, that, that formative ages. And and music was the same thing. You're a metal guy. I'm a little bit. I'm not really as hardcore metal as you. Um, uh, because but I there's got- always somebody more metal. There's so many guys way more metal than I am. There's, like, forms of metal that I don't even listen to because it just, it does, it hurts my ears. <laughs> so you're a kid. You, you're, you're, you're into Star Wars. You're into comic books. You're into metal. Uh, you're getting bullied. You spend a lot of time alone in these little worlds that you isolated yourself in. And I wanted to ask you this uh, about the bullying thing is like you were qualified yourself as a nerd. And then there was a nerd bully. Oh, oh, yeah. 
Is it in the 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 kid that uh wouldn't let me play D and D for the D and D club? That amazed me. I'm like this poor. <laughs> I, I was reading about that part. I was like, this poor bastard's getting bullied. I know what that feeling is. He finds a community of nerds. He goes there, and there's a nerd bully. I was so out of my own for a couple of years, man. There were uh, like uh, my freshman and sophomore year. One of those in my yearbook, I signed my own yearbook, and I was the only person that did. I don't mean to. <laughs> I'm not trying to pull any heartstrings or anything. I don't mean but, to laugh, but that's just yeah. brilliant that you did that. Dude, yeah. Uh, there were there was a kid in my neighborhood who had a comic book collection and he had nothing he wanted nothing to do with me and I was like, But we could be you know, yeah, he's like, No No, you're the new kid. You're you know, like I'd already blown it the first year I got there. I got a nickname. Oh. I got I uh I peed my pants at school and just, you know, like oh the shit you're not supposed to do and (laughs) i talk about it in my book like just looking back on it like it's kind of funny Mm -hmm. uh, because all the the misfires i made of like trying to make friends of uh i bragged about how many books i had read over the summer (laughs) you know thinking oh other fourth graders are gonna love this if i tell them i i won I won the contest at the local library of how many books, and I uh-huh. I got a I got a, a fifteen dollar gift certificate to go to uh, uh, Thirty One Flavors or whatever. <laughs> oh, that's... kids are gonna love that when I hold that over them. <laughs> you see this pink spoon? A gift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a gift from Mr. Yeah, Baskin that... and Mrs. Robin. Oh, that's that was, funny. Yeah. But you, but you, you got into comic books and you ended up writing 45 issues of Deadpool. It's so crazy how many things that I liked as a kid that I, well, and that are still my interests mm-hmm. that I've gotten to, you know, be involved in the fact that I've done stuff in, with metal bands and, you know, and the big one was Marvel comics. Like that was, yeah, that amazed me. So insane. So you write Deadpool. How did you get the gig at Marvel? How did you get that gig? Just from like being at these cons, like, I started going to San Diego Comic-Con when I moved to LA. So I've been going for 25 years and, uh, you know, I'd be hanging out at the Marriott bar on a Saturday night at 2 AM talking to a dude that's the editor for Marvel and, you know, and him going, Hey, do you want to do anything? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And we, uh, talked about Deadpool, but you know, I still had to pitch like what I was going to do. So I came up with like the first year storyline, and pitched me and my writing partner. We pitched that to the editor there, and he was like, "Yeah, let's do it." That's I couldn't cool. believe it. It went, you know, it went that easily, and then we got to do it for three and a half years. Were you happy with the movie? Uh, yeah, I had nothing to do with the movie, but the movie is totally the tone of that character, and I feel like there's no other guy that could have played it uh, other than Ryan Reynolds. Let's be honest; he's he's a handsome man. I did I did a movie with Ryan, and I don't care where your mail is delivered; that's a handsome man. Right. But what I love about it is it's a handsome man. And then you put gross makeup on and a mask mm-hmm. yeah. for, for the whole movie. Yeah. Let's put a pizza face on Ryan Reynolds and and then make him wear a mask over it. Yeah. But he's going to look good in the press interviews. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing that you have, uh, your podcast, Nerd Poker, is basically you and your friends playing Dungeons and Dragons. It's true. Uh, yeah. So. I think you might know a couple. Do you know Blaine Kapatch? Yeah. Through stand-up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Blaine and I have been friends since San Francisco. He moved out there when Patton Oswald moved out there around, the, you know, right after me. We met in 90, 91, uh, that era. Uh, 
and uh, we've played D&D together for, God, almost 20 years now. I have questions. I do remember the Tom Hanks movie, Mazes and Monsters. <laughs> so that's my first introduction. This game will make you uh, commit suicide. Oh, yeah, and it's uh, Satan created it, and... Yeah, yeah, the church is against it and all that. The, the the thing that got tagged on Dungeons and Dragons was because of that movie was uh it was that kid John I and I looked him up. John Dallas uh uh Eggert. He was a uh, he committed suicide. It's funny, almost everything I like, you know, heavy metal, horror horror movies, Dungeons and Dragons always has like one kid that fucking ruins it for all of us. <laughs> Yeah, because it's a it shotgun is in their mouth because Judas Priest told them to, and it's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> Judas, I'm listening to the same Judas Priest record probably more than you. Yeah, forwards <laughs> and, and backwards. They, Rod Halford never fucking told me to put a shotgun in my mouth. No, like, he's hell bent for leather. That's what he is. <laughs> yeah. He did not care about what teenage boys were doing at that point. No, but I do know that there's a there's a dungeon master. Yes. All right, dungeon master. It's a tabletop role playing game. There's a 20-sided dice. The Dungeon Master is the worst job. The Dungeon dungeon Master doesn't get to play. The Dungeon Master basically just walks these characters through these these stories and then mm-hmm. using percentages, and it's there's a lot of math. And, you know, you're rolling 20-sided, you're rolling 12-sided, you're rolling 8-sided and 4-sided, uh, you know, to do, depending on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've never wanted to do that. I, I just like playing. Right. And, uh, so my my podcast, I'm not even the dungeon master. Okay, I'm just the host, and I go, hey, here's my friends. I pass it off to my buddy Dan Telfer. He's the DM. The show is just me and my my friends. I call it nerd poker because mm-hmm. to me, my favorite part about Dungeons and Dragons is the hang. And, yeah, uh, I've never been good at poker. I've gotten you know because of the people I know. Like I've gotten to go to like Sarah Silverman's poker parties. And I just sit there going, that looks fun, but I can't follow that. And I don't want to piss anybody off. I don't want to uh, have Mike Ivy beat me up because I, <laughs> I made a, a bad hand or something. <laughs> Dude, you The nicest to... guy in comedy, Mike Ivy. Yeah, and he's going to snap on you. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I just felt poker, there was too much. Po- that's, uh, that's a thing like you going around alternate kids. Like, to me... Those type of guys, tough guys, mm-hmm. I don't know what to fucking do, or guys that know how to play a game, you know, like I feel it's almost like a jock thing uh, when, yeah. when I see poker. And like, I've never been a Vegas guy. Yeah. Like, I, I tried playing blackjack and it intimidated the shit out of me because everybody else at the table, I was like, I don't want to fuck this up. Yo, oh, yeah. Cause yeah, that's if you take the wrong card, if you, if you, yeah. oh, yeah, everyone gets pissed off. <laughs> Too much pressure. And I'm like, I'd rather. I'd rather fight a wizard in my dining room. <laughs> <laughs> your your book, Forever Nerdy, uh, I wanted to ask you about, first of all, the creation of it, because I know I, I have a comics mentality, and I suspect you're pretty much the same. So is this the creation of this book you said took you 10 months, uh, and you had to apologize to your wife and kids because you were home, but you weren't there? Yes. Yeah. I was obsessed. Well, I had to, to finish it. Right. I started off like barely working on it. And then I was like, wow, I'm, there's no way I'm going to make this deadline. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, uh, by a lot. Like we extended the deadline, uh, two or three times, but, uh, yeah, it was the hardest I've ever worked on anything. You mm-hmm. know? I, Did you notice 
any kind of childhood joy and experience when you were immersed in it, or was it all just fear-based to get it done? Oh, no. Uh, it's kind of informed me since. Like, it's uh, it was a way of going through things that I hadn't really thought about. Mm -hmm. And so in the last couple of years since I wrote the book, I feel like I'm more aware of uh, my whole story. You know you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I'm, uh, I had shit with my mom that I talk about in the book and I, I had come completely around and for, uh, forgave her for, you know, anything that I, uh, but, and it took the book, it took writing the book to kind of grow up a little bit and we'll look at look at a bunch of stuff that I had gone through and find what's funny about it too and and kind of let go of it because I was still in therapy for you know talking about things that happened to me when I was eight and nine and it's like god talking about it in the book kind of let me let it go but also still acknowledge it if that makes sense you know what i mean yeah you're bringing it and i i don't mean to put words in your mouth but i had a similar experience and this is why i wanted to ask you I, if I put a, something into a joke, it gives me uh, perspective on it. Yes. Because I can't, I, can't, I can't figure out my life, Brian, but I can fix a joke. Yeah, absolutely. So if I put it in that context, I can look at it. I'm not emotionally connected to it, and I get that 30,000-foot view of it. And then it talks to me and lets me know what the truth of that is. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's what the book felt like to me uh or for me yeah of putting out this stuff not just about my mom but about everything yeah uh i read i did read a quote about your editor calling you up uh about the stuff that you put in your mom and said do you really want to say this stuff about your mother i mean every book that i've read that where somebody went through something you, you know you got to throw somebody under the bus <laughs> for, happy you know, for the Day. way you were raised you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah, okay. somebody's a victim some it's going to be your mom your dad your grandpa your what, whatever yeah. you know whoever put something on you that made you what you are you know uh and she was the one you know mm -hmm. she she taught me a lot of great things and i talk about that in the book too it's mm -hmm. not all negative but right. there were some shit you know that i still you know that put me in therapy for years yeah well we all process stuff as we see it because the suffering comes from the stories we tell ourselves about the incident, not the incident itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So basically, you know what we need, Brian? We need we need a dungeon master to explain this story to us. <laughs> There's some great, great stories in the book. Apparently, you weren't aware you were dating Kathy Griffin. What do you mean? Uh, like you were. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, now I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I feel, Oh God, I haven't had to tell this story on a podcast. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, she kind of went, well, she broke up with me was when I found out that we had been dating. <laughs> I love that. That's exactly what happened. I uh, love that. <laughs> uh, to me, we'd gone for drinks and we'd made out and hung out and, mm -hmm. And I didn't know we were boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> so we're going to go see a movie, and I fucking bring Doug Benson to go see uh, Grumpy Old Men. So, and that's a date. And she's like, why'd you bring Doug Benson? And, and we're on a date. And I'm like, well, I didn't know we were on a date. <laughs> and then uh, we went to, what was the... Oh. 
what was the Cinnabon? We went to Cinnabon right. and she goes, I got to get a Cinnabon. And then she and I went down to the parking lot of the Beverly center and she broke up with me. That, that, and you didn't even know you were going out. And, and I was like, I didn't know. And she's like, Brian, yes, you did. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> all right. Yes, you did. She's like, the whole, she's hilarious. <laughs> just Wait, knew what she wanted. And I, I'm just completely dumb. I didn't even get a Cinnabon. She got a Cinnabon and right? then she ate it. She ate it and then broke up with me. But what did she say to you? Like, I have to break up with you. Like, this, we're isn't, not... this isn't working out. And, you know, just <laughs> like, like, what? <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was a disappointment to her. I think oh. the main, in a lot of ways. And then even breaking up with me was a disappointment. Cause I'm just like, okay, <laughs> <That's great. laughs> whatever you got. I don't, I don't know. Did Doug Benson comfort you? Like, dude, we don't need her anyway. No, no, he went out with her after that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a great story. Yes, of course. (laughs) That's a great story. The other great story in the book was when Paul Rodriguez wanted to kill you. Yeah, for a a while. Yeah. He might still. (laughs) Let's let's not uh, reignite the beef between me and Paul Rodriguez. Oh uh, yeah, the crazy one of the craziest moments of my life was being in a comic store in the valley, mm-hmm. and Paul Rodriguez drives by in his Porsche, uh, like two miles an hour by the comic book store, just stink eyeing me, just mad dogging me, mm. just driving by like "fuck you, posting," just looking through me, and the guy in the comic book store goes, "Dude." Did Paul Rodriguez just mad dog you? <laughs> yes, sir, he did. Yes, yes, he just witnessed. He was like, "What the fuck?" Wow. Like, yeah, because this the guy running the store knew exactly who he was. Mm-hmm. Was like, could tell that Paul Rodriguez indeed wanted to kill me. Oh, tell me, tell me the story how how it got to that point. Uh, you know, I didn't know him, and uh, I just. I guess I was overly familiar as I can be, you know, comics, we bust each other's balls, but sometimes some comics are like, I don't know you like that. You know, yeah, and that, yeah. it was one of those. Uh, I, uh, I was on that show, the weakest link with him mm-hmm. and, uh, and it was comics. Oh, Proops was there. And, uh, so and you were Scott high Thompson, Scott Thompson was, yeah, it was high. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Louie Anderson mm-hmm. and Kim, uh, God, um, not Kim Wayans, but Kim. Kim Coles? Uh, yeah. And uh, and Julie Brown, not downtown Julie Brown. Julie Brown from uh, Earth Girls Are Easy. Mm-hmm. So it was all comedy people. We're in the room. Before the show even starts, um, Paul Rodriguez comes in. And I don't know him, but I you know, knew who he was, obviously. And... Uh, he knows Louie and he's nice to Louie, sort of, but busting his balls. And then he goes after Scott Thompson, makes a couple gay jokes. And uh, I'm the bully shit. Like, I can't. Like, yeah. Yeah, I got it too. Uh, like, if I see other people getting fucked with, like, I'm the one that wants to break a beer bottle over somebody's head, you know, like uh, to jump in there. I, just, I don't know why, but, uh, but I kept it in and I didn't mm-hmm. say anything. Until uh, we're on the show, and uh, he's already made it, and now he's made it worse. He's everything he says. I'm like, fuck this guy. Like, right. you know, he's 
talking shit to everybody. And in my head, I was like, oh, I hate this motherfucker at this point. <laughs> and uh, so when the and when the host goes, uh, we vote him off. And uh, Brian, why do you think uh, Paul Rodriguez is the weakest link? And I said, never been a fan. Okay. <laughs> and he uh, fucking grabbed his microphone and scooted out, stormed off the set. He wanted to kill me. He's right. threatening in the green room. I'm not even in the green room, but my wife is, uh, Melanie, you know, Melanie. Yeah. And, and uh, he's telling his manager that that fucking nerd, I'm going to kill that, you know, weakest link. I've got the biggest knife. Uh, you know, like I'll see him in the parking lot. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's Just, screaming the weakest link. I got the biggest knife. He said that on the show. He said that he, on TV. Cause they made him come back and do I mean, his, he would he thought he was done and they're like no 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 you have to do you know these bits uh, once you get kicked off you also have to talk about getting kicked off you know you've been on tv before yeah <laughs> that's how tv works okay uh, so he couldn't go to the part he couldn't leave his manager's like no you got to go back in there and now he's furious and uh he fucking hated me i and i don't remember so I, I when I got back into the green room, they're like, "He's really pissed. Mm -hmm. He's we got him out. He's in the parking lot stewing, you know, but avoid him." And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> oh my god, what did I do?" So now I run into him a couple of places after that, and uh, one of them was with Proops. I was at the uh, Playboy Mansion, mm -hmm. and uh, Proops is telling Drew Carey the story, and Drew Carey can't believe the story, and now I come over. And uh, Drew's asking me, you know, oh, tell me, you know, because and I don't even know he's there. Right. And I find that out late. I find this out. So while I'm talking to Drew, my wife is standing there uh, away from me. And uh, Paul Rodriguez walks by her and goes up to his manager and goes, there's that fucking nerd. I'm going to go talk to him. And my wife overhears the whole thing. <laughs> and, and then his manager goes, no, be cool. He's hanging with Drew Carey. That's great. That's like, don't great. make a scene. Don't make a scene. Don <laughs> Carey will protect you. Yeah, pretty much. That and was... I didn't hear this till you know I'm in the I'm in the car going home, and my wife's like, "He dodged another bullet." And I was like, "Oh, what happened?" <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I could just see Paul Rodriguez talking to his match. You get him down by the grotto. You bring him down by the grotto. You hear me? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get him to go over there to the monkey cage. There's no one over. It's real dark. There's no cameras. Oh God! Well, you you've embraced um, you've embraced the things you love, and you've turned them into uh, you've turned them into art for other people. I had Anthony Edwards on the show, uh -huh. and uh, I one of the things we discussed was Revenge of the Nerds, and um, he uh, he provided uh, he provided people to choose that identity rather than having that thrust upon them. Oh, movie. yeah. Well, so I, in the book, that was my first date. I took a girl to see Revenge of the Nerds. Like, how much is that on the nose? <laughs> that was my first date. Was I got a, That was my Revenge of the Nerd. You know, I got a girl to go out with me somewhere. Well, let me ask you something. Was she aware she was on a date? Because you have a history. Yes. In that one, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I, like, went through her mom for it and, you know, like, went the whole formal route of asking her. Because I was a fucking dork. <laughs> Well, but you you've you've reached Nerdvana. I mean, you've you you're a regular Comic Con. People come there to see you, and you were on the Big Bang Theory, man. 
Yeah, that one's crazy. And that was just like, uh, didn't audition for that. I'm a terrible auditioner. So mm-hmm. like most of the shit I've gotten has been from somebody going, hey, get Posehn or can, can you get a Posehn type? Right. Well, Posehn might do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah. So how'd you get? I've actually, I've actually gone out for a My Name Is Earl, where it was a Brian Posehn type, and I didn't get it. That's funny. Yeah, I was not Brian Posehn enough that day, or maybe too much. You, you, <laughs> there was too much. Like, Pos- let's, <laughs> let's go another way. Yeah, he's he's too, he, he's too Posehny. <laughs> yes. That's why I, I I know Greg Garcia, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him next time I see him. I went in, I saw, I, that's one of those ones I'm like, this is a fucking slam dunk. It's like, they wrote it for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it has my name on the page. Like, think Brian Posehn. I'm like, that's the only way I think. <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm fucking, I got, I don't even need to go to this, do I? And then I went and fucking ate it. Oh. Like, and it was far. It was like out in the valley. One of those ones where you're like, yeah, and driving it's always, an hour an hour home after eating shit, and you're just like, God damn it! You get there, you sign in, and there's all kinds of Brian Posehn types. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so me and Harlan Williams <laughs> wearing wearing glasses. That's funny. But you said about the Big Bang Theory, you're like the writers are nerds and the actors are not. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. Found that out because I was like, Hey, are you, any of you guys into this stuff? And the, like one of the first times I was there, like mm-hmm. I'm hanging out on the comic book set. And I'm in heaven. I'm right. just looking around at, you know, all the stuff that they'd gotten from DC Comics for free, you know. And I was like, oh, 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 oh man, oh, you know, hey, do you know? They're like, nah. And I was <laughs> like, okay, cool. <laughs> Kevin Sussman, the guy that played Stewart, who mm-hmm. was the uh, the comic shop guy, he was also reoccurring. Mm-hmm. He's a nerd. Yeah. But, uh, and he and I played D and D together. So, but uh, in another game. That's great, man. I uh, I am so I am so happy I got a chance to spend some time with you, my friend. You're someone I always admired for afar because I wasn't allowed on Nerd Island. But I thank you, <laughs> I thank you for your your time. And if people want to get a hold of you, where, where can they get you? Uh, on Twitter, it's the Brian Pusain. I'm barely there, but mm-hmm. uh, Facebook Brian Pusain and BrianPusain.com. Tour dates are you know. <laughs> forthcoming scheduled well the book is called forever nerdy i thoroughly enjoyed it i thoroughly enjoyed spending time with you my friend best to you and the family and live long and prosper thanks for reading man and thanks for talking to me it was, it was a blast dude be good brother and cheers the Adam Farrar Podcast is brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. CruiseIntoWellness.com for all your CBD needs. They have edibles, pain creams, tinctures, bath products, pet products, and it's all grown from hemp right here in the USA. It's 100% natural, it's 100% vegan, and it's 100% kosher. Shalom. Why should you be in pain? Go to CruiseIntoWellness.com. Use the coupon code ADAM and save not 10 but 20%. 20% off with the coupon code Adam at anything they have at cruiseintowellness.com. Oh, you're welcome. Go. Feel better. I'm Brian Pussain, and that was 30 minutes I'll never get back. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed <laughs> connecting yeah. with Brian, yeah. Yeah, me too. I love the. Uh, I love when a comic tells great stories. I just I can listen oh, to yeah. it forever. Um, Adam, what do you mean by saying that you weren't allowed on Nerd Island? No, I wasn't allowed to. I wasn't allowed to play that room because I had TV credits, and uh, that was the alternative room. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know there was a nerd hierarchy. Like I just assume 
that yeah. if we're all playing Dungeons and Dragons, we're all nerds and no. we all get to hang out together. No. But apparently, yeah. some people is it like it's like a caste system. You yeah, know, like no, there was you a can't nerd hang with us. No, there was a nerd bully. Yeah. <laughs> a nerd bully. A nerd bully. Were any of you guys Dungeons? Did any of you guys play Dungeons and Dragons? No, I, I got enough trouble with six sided dice turning out the way I wanted to. <laughs> well, I I think I played Dungeons and Dragons without knowing that I was playing Dungeons and Dragons. Did Did you drink something? Did you pass out and wake up in a basement? What the hell are you talking <laughs> no. about? <laughs> no, it's the role playing games. Yeah, you know where you create a character, and mm-hmm. I think it's cool that some people can escape who they are, maybe in real life. Or... See, I can do that with bourbon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but you don't... <laughs> All right. You don't so, well, Alex, I'm glad that you played. I, I'm just full confession here. Not only did I play, I was a huge fan of this when I was a kid. I knew you were dangerous. <laughs> you, you either you either are very enthusiastic about playing it, or you deny it. I, yeah, that's that's what I've come across with Dungeons. Yeah, Dragons. as a kid, I grew up reading. Like the like the Hobbit and mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia and all of a sudden this game came out that it was like look you can create all these characters and it got super in depth about all like the character traits you could have for them and you could be different races you could be a dwarf mm-hmm. you could be an elf you could be a wizard like all these different things and you get to hang out with your buddies and play like all day like going on quests trying to you know save people or like find treasure and it was it was a great little adventure for for people with you know that kind of mind. I, I saw that movie you guys were talking about, Mazes of Monsters, mm-hmm. with Tom Hanks. Never, never happened to really any of us. Maybe like three or four of us went crazy. I know no. one guy it happened who made the news. Well, there's always a weird one in the bunch. Come mm-hmm. on. Okay. Come yeah. on now. And yeah. in fact, what I did, I have a little surprise for you guys. Mm-hmm. What I did is I consulted with a D&D expert. I love the fact no. that you're so hip to that, too. You don't even call it Dungeon. You have like an abbreviation. A D&D. That's how cool you are. <laughs> <laughs> no. Someone who is a master of D&D world. Right. I described some of your characteristics, and we came up with characters for you guys. Okay. And if you look at your phones, I texted them to you. Oh, wow. It's a full deal here. Oh, there we go. Hold on. So, basically, um, Mark... You're a hill dwarf. A heel? Hill dwarf. Hill dwarf. Hill dwarf. Yeah, a hill dwarf. A dwarf Sorry. who lives in the hills. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dwarf who lives in the hills. And you have wisdom. You okay. re- relate uh, to other people well. You're intuitive, good natured, and you like running. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty good. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. And you suffer and from road good. rage for some reason. <laughs> Right, and I speak with a Scottish accent, and I've got a wee bit of a drinking problem. I'm a dwarf from the hills. Well, if you look at your photo that I sent you, yeah, that's pretty badass. Yeah, I look like a badass, and it's about the accurate size of me. I'm a small guy, so sure, I could pass for this. Okay. okay. All, right. All right, so. Honey, you got mine. Apparently, I'm Tony Danza. <laughs> Tony Danza. Yeah, Tony Danza. You are a human bard. A bard? B-A-R-D? Yes. A bard. Okay. Yes. You're a bard. A human like bard. A human bard. Okay. Okay. Like Shakespeare. Um, yes. You're a healer. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, kind of like Shakespeare, actually. A philosopher, mm-hmm. entertainer, peacemaker, inspires others, but can confuse the enemy, and 
you have many thongs to sing. Oh, God. Really? <laughs> and they're all Neil oh, Diamond. Uh, <laughs> before I think that you're going to sing that. And no one heard, not even the chair. Oh. <laughs> I thought that was pretty hilarious. God. And apparently I, I, I can't pick a ball game to save my life. All no, right. No. Um, and Phil, Phil is a fur blodge. Or blog. Uh, hold on, a fur blog. I don't know how to say it actually. Let me see. Right there. The this top is it. One. Oh, Mimi. Phil's a Mimi. What does that say? Fur blog. A fur blog. Fur blog. Do you want to read your description? Fur... You want me to? Yeah. Phil is a fur blog. Generally optimistic, and yeah. when you need to escape, you can become invisible, but it doesn't last long. You need to rest a lot. That's Phil. <laughs> I thought too. Phil's a small, yeah. hairy thing in a robe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, and the fur represents the robe. Yeah, yeah, Mark. Is there anything in that description that says this creature should not eat lentil soup? Especially <laughs> looking at an apartment. <laughs> fur blog has digestive issues yeah, yeah. and sleep challenges. That's funny. You want to hear mine? Yes, please. Yes. Uh, he pegged me as an Ash Ashnar Druid. Ashnar Druid? Yes. Druid, yes. Okay, I, that's great. Okay. You live in a tree? So Mark, Mark knows. Mm-hmm. So, of um, course he knows. He's a hill elf. <laughs> hill dwarf, thank you dwarf, very much. Dwarfs are very yeah. powerful, and apparently a lot of people want to be dwarfs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he told me dwarfs are very powerful in this game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so I he pegged me as an Ashenar, okay, Druid, uh, who is angelic. Yes. A visionary. Yes. Friends Check. to animals. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And I can use them. They help me, like, fight wars when I need to fight mm-hmm. wars. All right. So well, I thought that was pretty interesting. That's pretty interesting. I never I never got into Dungeons and Dragons. I never. Yeah, hey. look at my photo. You're hot. Good, right? That's hot. I have, like, a falcon on my shoulder. Yeah, some people, yeah, they, they want to escape reality. and Well, I, I get it that people want to escape reality. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so I but get But if all you that. think about it, if you think about it, that's all the video games that are out there, like, I haven't played Fortnite, but mm-hmm. my understanding is it's you create characters and you go on quests and stuff like that, and you right. play with your friends online. It's the same thing. It's just mm-hmm. with video games instead of with dice. There's you know? a whole world out there, man. You got you got to come down off that hill. <laughs> yep. You got to come down <laughs> off the hill, turn on HBO, and watch Game of Thrones. That's, that's, what <laughs> that's as close as I can to Dungeons and Dragons. To D and D. I'm sorry. To D and D. D&D. Some people create their own reality. Kathy Griffin thought she was dating Brian Posehn. He had that? no idea. That was great. How that's, funny was oh that? that story killed me. This isn't working out, and Brian's like, "What? What's not working?" Out? <laughs> <laughs> you brought Doug Benson along with you on a date. We're on a date. I thought that story was great. I love that she started dating Doug Benson after that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right, you're not working out, Brian. I'm gonna go to the next guy. You're out of here. <laughs> Yeah, I love the fact that it was at a Cinnabon, because <laughs> yeah. that would have been me. I would have been like, all right, you know what? We're not dating anymore. At least I can have a Cinnabon. Yeah. <laughs> nope, no Cinnabon. I don't have to look good for you anymore. I'm letting it all go. <laughs> As a matter of fact, can you break up with me at a Krispy Kreme? Because yeah. I really like the Krispy Kreme. Though. That's funny. But yeah, he had no idea that he was going out with Kathy Griffin. You want to know? That, that, that's, and, and he's so honest about, I was clueless. I had no idea we were dating. I didn't know. <laughs> I love that about him. I, my, my pal Jimmy, you know Jimmy, mm-hmm. right? So J- Jimmy, we went to high school together, and Jimmy had no idea that this girl liked him, and she was like, she was really cute. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Jimmy was a, we were all Islander fans, except Jimmy was a Ranger fan, and she was a Ranger fan. So she goes, I have two tickets to the hockey game, and Jimmy goes, that's great. 
I'll tell my dad we'll buy him from you. <laughs> Years later, she's Jimmy. like, I was inviting you to the hockey game. But in his head, he's like, there's no way this beautiful girl wants to go out with me. Oh, my God. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's why when, uh, when I started dating Alex, I said, uh, third date, marry me. Before you before you change your mind, <laughs> marry me before you change your mind. Or Lock it up. All right, well, yeah. I said I'm going to smack this kid on the head and drag her back to my cave. That's mine. <laughs> and how about the feud he had with Paul Rodriguez? Just, yeah, that's like, great. Crazy. But I understand it in a way. You understand what in a way? Well, he... stalking. N- no, no, no. I understand why he said what he said. Well, why Brian said what he why said. Why Brian said what he said. Never been a fan. Yeah, okay. Well, because he was, he wasn't being so nice. No, apparently he wasn't. I mean, I I know that we do things. Sometimes we don't read the room well. Sometimes we kind of miscommunicate with each other. Mm-hmm. So maybe he thought he was being funny, but you know, it just wasn't. It hit the bully switch in Brian's head. Yeah. So once it hits a switch like that, yeah, yeah. it's hard to turn that off. Yeah, I know. I got that. So yeah. But I'm sure, you know, their old saying about water being under the bridge. No, so... no. Mine, mine festers into a vendetta. <laughs> well, <laughs> usually with normal people. That's true. Fair if, enough. If uh, enough time passes, mm-hmm. you kind of forget about it, you know, or want to like, okay, well, maybe. You, you have time to really think about it. Unless you see him at the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> right. Right. Where he's like... The only thing that saved him, as you said, was Don Don Drew Carey. Yeah, Don <laughs> Carey. He was talking, I'm going to kill that nerd. No, nah, be cool. He's talking to the guy that hosts The Price is Right. <laughs> <laughs> the kingmaker. Yeah. But is that the way, I mean, is that the way it goes in Hollywood, that there's these feuds going on? Because it, it, it freaks me out a little bit. I, I had a feud with someone in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I guess I started it. But I had no intention to piss this person off, and it terrified me. Okay. Now, you guys know the story, right? I know the story. To tell the kids. I don't know the story. So years back, uh, I used to do a bit on, um, on a radio station as Christopher Walken. Right. Picking, doing fantasy football advice. Then mm-hmm. it would always come on and do some absurd movie that Chris was working on. It'd be mm-hmm. like, right, I'm about to do a remake of Gilligan's Island. It's fantastic. I'm playing <laughs> Lawrence Howell the third. I can't wait for filming. And the next sentence would be, and Robert Griffin the third is going to have a huge game this weekend against the Ravens. So stop him. Right. And it was totally absurd, right? <laughs> Great. It was coming up on the anniversary of the death of Natalie Wood. It was in the news, and Walken has never spoken about this. Mm-hmm. And the guy I did the show with was like, come on, man, I want to ask you about this. Let's do a bit about this on the show. I was like, I don't know. It's, it's a little tough, but okay, fine. We did it. And so he asked me about, hey, what happened that night, Chris? Just riffing off the top of my head, I said, right, there was shouting and lots of Sambuca, and then <laughs> I went to my forward bunk and read a Hottie Boys novel and went to sleep, yeah. and when I awoke... <laughs> Natalie was gone, and it was a tragedy. <laughs> and Adrian Peterson is going to have a monster day. Make sure he's in your starting lineup. So it's totally ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But some, some guy, and I won't say his name from the AP, heard it and thought it was legit. Reports back to AP headquarters and say, stop the presses. Walken has spoken. This is the biggest story. Talked about Natalie Wood. Oh, no. I go on with my day and I'm walking into the gym and I get a phone number from some news magazine show in New York. And they're like, "Uh, Mr. Stern, Mr. Stern, is this you? Yeah. Who's this? And I'm like, oh, it's so-and-so. Listen, 
please tell me that you have the audio of Christopher Walken talking about Natalie Wood today. I was like, what? What are you talking about? The Christopher Walken audio. And I, I said, oh, you're going to be so annoyed in about three seconds when you hear this. She goes, what? Right, sweetheart. It was me. Right. It's not Chris. It was just me doing a bit. Wow. And she's like, oh, my gosh, no. And then it became this big story. I went on. Mark, I, I w- think I heard. I read that story. <laughs> yes. You, it was, you, it was, was a national story. Yeah. That was me. Oh, right? Wow. Yeah. And it was. You read it. It was a national story. Yes. I think the only other big story that day was Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher were getting split up. And I knocked them off the headline. <laughs> it was all about walking. Oh, man. So. I and I went on. I went on, you know, one of those news shows, like Hollywood shows, whatever, to like tell the story. And and I'm having, you know, I'm like, am I going to get fired or whatever? And it all kind of blows over. And then I hear, I read the phrase that put a chill in my spine. And all it said was, Christopher Walken has retained an attorney over this matter. <gasps> oh, and I wow. thought, oh no. Oh, no, Mr. Walken, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) And Mr. Walken, if you're listening to the show, I still love you, man. You're the greatest. I think you're the best. And I thought that's all I need. Oh, my God. You could have framed that. Right. Christopher Walken versus Mark Stern. (laughs) (laughs) Christopher Walken versus the Hill Dwarf. (laughs) Right. It's an incredible story. Oh, my God. So did you ever hear from Walken? No, I was afraid I was going to get a knock on the door and be like, right, Mr. Giggles, you had your fun. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I didn't. Now, the coolest thing I got out of it, though, was for a brief time, I think it's since been changed on his Wikipedia page. There's a list. It's like about walking impersonations. And I was on that list. It was literally the shining moment of my career. Wow. Cool, dude. Okay. Wow. I have more respect for Mark now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, my lady That is a legit story Before I could take him or leave him Now he just went up a couple pegs I made it That is legit That's great So Christopher Walken doesn't know he's in a feud with Mark No His lawyer does His lawyer does His lawyer did And Brian Persane didn't know he was going out with Kathy Griffin No A lot of unknowns It was all a series of misunderstandings It was just a meme. <laughs> I want to thank Brian Posehn for being my guest. Uh, his new project is called Top Secret Videos on True TV. He uh, he is a very funny man, and I hope you check him out. I really enjoyed uh, talking to him. Uh, we also want to thank our D and D expert. Yes, thank you, Zach. And I'm going to post these photos online. Really? Yeah. Everybody mm. needs to see. All right. <laughs> I love it. Uh, honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Farr at Gmail. Or you can just climb the hill and talk to Mark the Dwarf. You can get us a message. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the show is growing, and it's all because of you. We are extremely grateful that uh, we get to share our family with you. And if you get a chance, leave us a review because it helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. And please remember, life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go and see. I didn't understand what the meme of Tony Dazar dancing meant. <laughs> um, Phil is an idiot. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that. 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.